German masala sit back and listen to German masala sit back and listen to German masala Good morning everyone well i hope it's morning okay <laughs> <laughs> well it's morning over here where we are recording it's saturday yes. morning so i'm saying good morning to all of you good morning to you alex How's thank you good morning harbeer thanks for having me how's it going pretty good i'm i'm happy it's uh, we had a nice breakfast thank you yeah sure i mean <laughs> it was really nice to sit with you and have breakfast together um really happy that you are here today and this is sixth episode of our german masala podcast it is sixth episode yeah so for the listeners who do not know we take turns every week actually bi-weekly on bi-weekly basis and each time one of us chooses a topic and the other one does not know anything about the topic exactly last time it was my turn and you didn't know what we were talking about and this week i'm super excited i can't wait to hear what what you have in store for us i think you're going to like this so <laughs> Well, <laughs> so I thought maybe we can talk about universal basic income this time. Ooh, you are right. I do like this. I do like this. I, I knew that. I knew that. Uh, it's a very interesting topic, and especially considering the situation right now. I mean, it was, I think it was on Tuesday that I read uh, in news uh, an organization. Um, it's it's a non-profit organization here in germany they are looking for 120 people as test subjects that they are going to pay them 1200 euros per month good that you read up on this because i saw this in the news like i i, I scrolled by an article and i was like germany is testing universal basic income i was like what what is this about but i never got around to reading it so it's 120 test subjects exactly so what they wanted was they were thinking okay until november we are going to have 1 million applications and then we are going to choose 120 or maybe it's 150 i'm not really 100% sure but, but okay like a couple yeah. like yeah uh, so these many people we are going to choose and then we will pay them 1200 euros per month for the next three years to see wow. what kind of impact the money is going to have on their lives you know interest three years though three years dang so that's where i'm already taking some issues because i would love to see this be implemented in our society basically as fast as possible yeah. so if it's a three year test you're not going to get results yeah all right yeah but the thing is i think there's a need for such a test they have been shorter tests every now and then true you know but they true. need to see what kind of long lasting impact is it going to have on the society on the lives yeah. of the people as well right yes you're right and you you don't want to rush something like this where it would cost obviously a lot but could potentially or in my opinion will definitely have a huge impact on society in a positive way yeah so i think this is not the german government doing this this is as i said a non-profit organization mm -hmm. i think they're working with university of cologne together as Ooh, well to nice. you know for the yeah. study and This is a great thing. So what I was uh, tell you about was they were thinking, okay, until November, we are going to have around 1 million applications. So guess how many applications they already have? Well, if they say 1 million by November, I guess they're already over a million. We are recording this in August 2020. So I want to say like maybe 2 million. They, yesterday, they already have 1.1 million. Okay. So, well, not, not quite, <laughs> but, okay, so they're already way over the applications. Exactly. There. But they thought, okay, if more people we have, better the results are going to be. Because I think they are not only going to 
do this survey with the people who are getting the money, but also whether they might send questionnaires to other people as well. I, I mean, I guess they, they will probably send questionnaires out to everybody who's applying, and that way they will gather a lot of information, just demographic information. Yeah. And I think this will help them decide on the couple hundred, or maybe hopefully they'll extend this to maybe have a little bit bigger test group. But let's exactly. say it's let's say they, they send this out to 150 people, or they, they select 150 people, that will help them have a really diverse group in these 150 people because as the term universal basic income implies, everybody would get it. It doesn't matter if you're a billionaire, millionaire, uh, if you're not one of these, like, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter what kind of, like how much money you have, you would get universal basic income no matter what, right? Exactly, that's, that's the uh, sort of the concept and that's what I wanted to talk to you about. What are your thoughts on universal basic income? Let's just start with what it is and yes. what it is not, right? Okay. So do you want to start? Sure. Okay. So universal basic income. I'm by no means, by the way, an expert on this. I just like the topic. We both are. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Sure. <laughs> so. As always, a little disclaimer. But okay. So universal basic income is the general idea that everybody in a society, so usually it's uh, in a country-based, citizens of a country, would get a fixed amount of money every so and so often, usually every month in Germany, without doing anything. It's literally a an income that you are just getting. It's that's what it is. And um, yeah, I guess that's what we wanted to start for, right? Do you have anything exactly. to add on what it is? No, that's it. I mean, yeah. think about what if all your needs were met, like financial needs, without having to do any work, right? So basic needs. I'm not talking... Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. talking about necessities. Maybe necessities is the better word, like your rent is paid, you have food, you know. But I still want to say basic necessities because... Well, actually, no, no, you might be right, because the overall idea of universal basic income, and we'll get into this in a little bit, is, is actually providing even going beyond basic necessities. But um, I want to say, like, let's say you, for example, live in an apartment, you could probably live in a smaller apartment. Yeah. And then the like, one, what was it? 1,200 euros they exactly. want to pay per month. Yeah. Then it would probably meet this because right now you wouldn't you wouldn't be and I wouldn't be able to live on yeah, 1,200 euros a month yeah. just because rent uh, utilities, car payments, uh, food is already over that. So yeah, and yeah. but it's per person again. It's a universal basis. Oh, food, so yes, I forgot that. So Damn. if I yeah. live together with True. my wife and we are getting one thousand two hundred, and she's getting one thousand, so you're at two two thousand four hundred. Oh, that would afford yeah. everything as well. So you know, interesting. One question. Yeah, would this be taxed? Because it wouldn't, right? That's that's another thing. So when people talk about universal basic income, they talk about different things mm -hmm. right yes so some people are saying okay this should be something on top of the benefits you're getting from the government anyways like if you in germany for example it's a um how do you care sozial marktwirtschaft how, how would you say that in yeah it's a it's a social economy probably right exactly like, so if yeah. you're not if you're not making enough money to live then government is going to help you right yes Pay or if you're out of your job if you something yes yes so some people say universal basic income should be on top of that the other people say no this is just like a proper sum so maybe what we are talking about over here is like minimum basic income right like what everyone is supposed to get yes but there's already maybe there's already where where our our opinions diverge a little bit because i actually think the one of the biggest, I think, positive impacts the universal basic income could have 
is actually reducing the strain on government bodies. Do you, I don't have exact numbers, but can you imagine how many people work on getting people their uh, elderly retirements, right? Mm -hmm. so in Germany, you get you get like retirement benefits because when you're paying in or when you have a normal job, you are paying social like dividend. It's not really dividend. You're just paying into the uh, it's called Rentenkasse. It's the basically retirement fund of the um, entire German country. We are doing that. Yeah, yeah. we are. We are doing. Everybody is. Yeah. So so and once you're retired, you'll get money from that. Now, to be completely honest, it's not enough that I would want to live on that money so you're like i am definitely doing something for my retirement also on the private side and our company is doing that as well so so you have a couple of options here but you know there you, you will get something the processing this alone because you get you know retirement increases every so and so often and they have to be negotiated all of that that alone plus the unemployment social benefits or not benefits just the money you get when you're unemployed just freshly out of your job that's all so much to process. So many arrows can take. Some people, not a lot, but some people may take advantage of something like this. Yeah. You know? And I think that one of the basic benefits of having a universal basic income is getting rid of all of that yeah. and saying, hey, everybody, you get whatever, like 1,200 years, I think it should be a little bit more in the long run, but 1,200 years, I think that's even more than you get in retirement or that a lot of people would maybe so a lot of people would get less than that yeah and even for um, unemployment money so a lot of people would also get less than that definitely uh, so i think there are two types of unemployment money yeah so if you lose your job you get for the next nine months i think something called Arbeitslosengeld, Eins, which is basically they pay you like 80% of your whatever pay you were getting. Yes. So the, the first one is you, you get a, like kind of a lot because you worked a long time, yeah. but it also requires a minimum mm -hmm. amount of time you work to get the Arbeitslosengeld one. Yeah. And then, yeah, so, but the, the, but long the other one is like they pay you, I think, around 450 euros yeah. per month, and then they would pay for your expenses, like for your flat and rent, depending yeah. on the number of children you have, then they will pay for the children, etc. Right. Yeah. So I agree, there's a lot of bureaucracy involved in it. And I think like the main benefit of the universal basic income is going to be, if we take that definition, that this whole red tape, that this whole bureaucracy will be gotten yes. rid of. Yes. Right. So this frees up so many people. It actually frees up a lot of money that is currently wasted on those, you know, on those people. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's, a mo it's amazing. Like, I think this is something that I... I think one of the biggest benefits is just that, getting rid of it. And that way, everybody has something to live on. And I think, I don't have the exact numbers and I'm no finance minister of Germany, yeah. but I think you could probably make a case on like saving the money from all the processing. Obviously, this means a couple of people may lose their jobs who are currently processing like retirement benefits and stuff like that. But I think there's a case to be made for this to, to work. Good point. Losing your job. Yes. Now, that's, I don't want to get too deep into AI or machine learning <laughs> or, or automation. Right we we'll have now. to talk about it though. But a we little have bit. To, when a we talk bit. about yeah. universal basic income, we have to talk about those things. So think about how many people you know who work in service sector or in logistics or, you know, I don't know, they are working in call centers, which is again going to be service sector. So last year when Google presented their uh, flagship phone, there was this um, video where they showed how your assistant, your Google assistant was calling someone to book your 
haircut uh, appointment. Yeah, or even like a table in a restaurant or something exactly. like that. Yes. Oh, it was a table in a restaurant. Sorry, so yeah. sorry. It yeah, was no, a table no worries. Okay, okay. And it was so cool the way this basically a robot, right? Did make that call. You could so not human. Say. It was like so, this person on the other hand, other end had no idea that no. this was a robot making yeah. the call, right? Yes. So, okay, we can say right now this technology can only work in demos, but how many more years do you think it's going to take until this is going to be everywhere, this technology, right? Until they start making calls for you, booking appointments for you, working as call center employees. Where will all those job goes go? Well, first of all, for so that's on the consumer end. So that's basically you who have, you know, or who has a different job than having an assistant who will book something on another thing. But yeah, you, you have to kind of abstract this to the level of, well, on the restaurant end, maybe there is nobody t- picking up the, you know, the phone. Maybe that's a robot doing that part, which is currently not the case, to be to be clear. Yeah. But, or not, maybe, maybe it is the case at some parts. Mm-hmm. I know a couple of, you know, companies who are using the, when you call their hotline, they will like route you through a couple of these robocalls, which is super annoying, but... Anyway, which has gotten better over the years. It, it has right? gotten better, but it's still honestly, it's weird. I I'm a huge tech guy. I love tech, but I still prefer to talk to a human when it comes to my issues. Although sometimes probably humans aren't even the best to talk to. But it it has like a bye. But taking this away, I think it it, it will t- still take a couple of years, right? But once once we're at the brink, I think it will start accelerating. The pace of jobs being replaced with or not jobs being replaced because the jobs will still exist, but there'll be the humans working in these jobs will be replaced with machines, with algorithms. Uh, take self-driving cars, for example, right? Uh, I drive a Tesla, you know this, and we yeah. talked about this before. The self-driving in that car, even in Germany, where in the US you can make a case that's even advanced because the regulations allow them to do more. But even in Germany, it's already so good, especially on the highway, that there is only a... Sh- like the, the, Sure, there's still a lot of stuff missing, but once this takes place, think about the truck drivers, think about all the delivery drivers, think about all the people driving taxis, doing Uber. I mean, this is the whole case why Tesla's stock is also up so much. This is why Tesla is accelerating, you know. They basically say, well, look, once we have full self-driving, we'll just flip a switch. All our cars will be able to make money for their owners in this big fleet of Tesla network. So, So I think there's... Once, you know, just, just this one point, like once you flip that switch, Hamburg will be full of Tesla taxis. Yeah, I think we should elaborate on that. How is how is the car going to make money off for, for its owner? Okay, yeah. So the idea is that currently you can buy a Tesla and you can buy a package which is called full self-driving capability. Um, yeah. And this package, uh, the hardware is the same in every car. But this package will uh, enable a couple of software features, which basically have a couple of more autonomy features, like auto parking your car, um, driving to you in a parking spot, stuff like that. And the idea is that since every car has the software, basically, uh, sorry, the hardware needed, and just it's, it's the software. It's cameras, update. right? Yeah. So Tesla is using cameras, eight of them. Okay. Then they have a front-facing radar as well, in conjunction with the cameras, and then they have uh, eight ultrasonic sensors around the car for close proximity stuff up to eight meters. I think that's what, like 24 feet or something. Okay. Um, yeah, and the idea is that once you know the full self-driving is done, you just get an over-the-air update. Your car updates just like your phone. And then the car is like, yep, I can fully self-drive now. So 
you can then as an owner decide whether you want your car to make money for you or not. And how this would work is you have the Tesla app, which is already there, it just doesn't have the Tesla network tab yet. Uh, but actually Tesla had a couple of mock-ups how it would look, it's pretty cool. Okay. Um, and then on this, on this app, you would just say like, yes, I want my car to be able to go out and make money for me. And then you actually get a couple of options like, basically like Uber, you say like, hey, I only want five-star rated um, people to drive in my car and stuff like that. But the, the catch here is, your car, let's say you drive to work every day, currently maybe not in the pandemic, but still you drive to work. You drive to work and then for eight hours, you don't need your car, right? Yeah. So you hit a button, the car will go out and basically say, hey, I'm available now. And you just say, hey, I want my car back by whatever, 5 p.m. Yeah. And then it will drive people around. Nobody's actually driving it. The car will do all the driving, uh, making it safer, making it more relaxing for people sitting in the car, don't have to figure out how the car works. And then you get a certain share of the right service costs, which the consumers would have to pay who are riding in your car. Yeah. I think most people do not realize how far the technology already is. So Agreed. for me, it was, I mean, I always, when I went to uh, Silicon Valley, I saw some Google cars driving around without driving. I did not sit in one, but I did see like three or four cars. because Yeah, you have the Waymo cars. Waymo cars. Then you also have Uber doing the full self-driving. Lyft, I think, is also working on I did not see Uber or Lyft, but obviously they are there as well. So, but it was still, it wasn't really a reality for me. And, but a couple of, because I didn't sit in these cars, you know, and of course I knew about it, I read about it, but. Until, so like a couple of weeks ago, we drove together for sailing to a city nearby and it was an hour drive and I was lucky enough to drive your car, thank you by the way. <laughs> no worries. Uh, and on the Autobahn, which is basically German highway, yeah. you told me to just press the button twice and it did that and the car took over. I had to do nothing. Basically, I was so surprised that the car was driving like, even when I knew it, but the feeling being in the car itself and seeing it driving itself, you know, that was, that made it reality for me. And I think this is what is missing for a lot of people. And that's why people do not realize it. But these things, you know, these jobs, like the truck driver jobs, like the taxi driver jobs we were talking about, according to one study, I think it was in the US, around 16% of the population works in logistics. Yes. And a lot of these jobs, I mean, to be fair, so there's a couple of industries, let's say the hotel industry, where you have a lot of low-paying jobs. And actually, these jobs are one of the safest ones. So because a lot of people don't realize that um, automating how a car drives is hard, yeah. yes. But there are still a set of rules in the streets and you can basically just stop if something is going wrong and then you have, you know, you just inch forward and you have sensors so you don't hit anything and it's... Sure, it's hard, that's why it's not done yet, but the hotel industry, if you have a lot of people who are cleaning rooms, for example, a lot of people tell me because I have some background in AI and they're like, Alex, why, why don't we have like cleaning robots doing hotel rooms yet? Well, there's a, there, there are two factors. First of all, it's actually kind of hard because there are so many things in the hotel room that can be different when you leave it. Some people might leave it super tidy, but you still have to change the sheets. Some hotel rooms might be super cramped where you don't have space to maneuver a lot and humans are super flexible. They can figure that out. Now, that's the first part, the flexibility. And then the second part is, as, as stupid or as mean as it sounds now, those cleaning people, they don't get a lot of money for that. Mm-hmm. And it's not really worth developing robot technology to take over their jobs because they don't cost as much. 
take, but take, you know, taxi drivers, take logistics, huge costs in every supply chain, it makes sense to try to reduce the costs on these. So that's why technology is being, you know, being done in logistics a lot. But those, that sounds mean, but super low paying jobs, like even a lot of the Amazon warehouse workers, I think they actually are, are going to be there for a long time. Okay. But there might come a time when the technology is so cheap that, you know, it, it would make sense to have machines clean your rooms, etc. There are already some machines that will clean yes. your room, but obviously, there, as you say, there are a lot of factors you need to consider when you are when you are making up a room in a hotel, let's say, right? So I agree. But still, the fact remains that a lot of jobs that are there today might go away in the next 20 years. And right? they will. I, I, I definitely say they will. And what people, again, for the universal basic income don't understand this, a lot of the times people say like, yeah, but you know, they don't really see the need for it. They're like, oh, this is expensive. This is socialism. Like, who wants this? We don't need this. <laughs> this is socialism. That's always one of yeah, the main arguments. Especially right? in the U.S. When I mean, Andrew Yang, one of the Democratic... Was it Democrat? I think Democrat. Yeah, Democratic candidate, yeah. yeah. He proposed something like this, called it like the America Dividend or something. I don't really... Like, yeah. whatever he called it. It was universal basic income. And honestly, I loved him for proposing this. I think that was really great. Elon Musk actually endorsed him as well yeah. because Elon Musk is a big proponent of having this. Yeah. Because, quite frankly, I think a lot of people just, as you said, don't realize that this isn't far off because they never experienced technology being that far advanced and automated. If you don't live in a big city and if you don't drive a Tesla, which I guess most of the population of this world still hasn't, you might think this is all just some people like marketing slang and not doing anything. Um, and if you've never worked in like a big factory where automation has already taken over a lot of the parts, well, you're in for a surprise. There yeah. is a lot of stuff. Yeah. By the way, Andrew Young uh, was on Joe Rogan podcast. Oh, interesting. He was talking about universal basic income when he was still a candidate, one yeah. of the candidates, right? And he said some very interesting things, right? Uh, so he was obviously saying that this is needed. And he said... Whenever he's meeting people and people tell, uh, ask him why is, it, is this needed, he asks them a simple question. How many shops that you used to know were there in the corner in the street yeah. are closed now? You know? Yeah. And it, they're, they're, I mean, it's because of Amazon, basically, and other online... Yeah, well, that's for the retail shops, but then there's, then there's also the, what is it, like grocery shops with the big chains take over. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, there's Amazon Fresh as well, which might, you know, take over. Yeah, all and I mean, Amazon well. bought uh, Whole Foods, right? They did, they, they yeah. did buy Whole Foods. Yeah. So, and then people realize, okay, all these shops are gone now. And especially, I think, for, in countries like Germany, there are still a lot of shops there, right? When you go to the main city, you will see, like, there are all kinds of shops over there. People are actually shopping there, right? People are going into the markets and buying stuff over there. But the new generation, my niece, my nephew, they go over here. Yeah, they are my nieces in her teens. She doesn't buy anything in shops other than clothes sometimes because she has to try and I mean, I'm not just talking about her, I'm talking about her friends as well. They all buy everything else online, Yeah. right? What's going to happen when the older generation, which is still buying in the shops, stop? I mean, this sounds like- Die off. Die yeah, off, you know? I mean, that is, yeah. It, that's, that's the nature that it's, it's going to happen sometime. Yeah, right? a counter argument, however, would be that, you know, medicine is advancing, populations are getting older, especially here in Germany. So a lot of 
elderly will keep on living longer, so they might contribute to the society buying stuff for longer. However, and that's another point, right? Coming back to the retirement benefit or retirement payout, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, since we have more old elderly, the whole system is is not perfect because how it works is basically we are now paying what the elderly of this generation right now are getting. Are getting. It's not that we're paying and it's going to be invested in the, let's say, stock market. And then when we are in our retirement age, we will get that money. It's we are now paying into the fund, which is paying out money right now to the people who are older. And if our society gets older and older and older, there won't be as many people paying into it. So universal basic income, once again, one big, one big factor for that. I mean, right now it has to be a pyramid sort of thing, right? Where you have a lot of children on the bottom and then you have in the middle, you have like still a significant amount of people who are young people who are working in their yes. 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. Exactly, the right. entire working class basically. Exactly. Working age, yeah. Working age. And then on the top, you have not a lot of old people. Yeah. This is how the whole system is set up right now. But once, as you said, People are getting really old now, so they will keep getting the money for a certain And it's time. already looking different. If you look on the population graphs of, for example, Germany, you'll see that it's actually looking more like lower at the bottom and then more, you know, kind of blown out in the middle and going a little down on the top. It's still, so it's basically shifting from less children, less younger people, working more elderly people, also still a lot of them working, but then a lot of them being, you know, also in their retirement. So, and all of that will basically shift upwards yeah. even more than before. Yeah, so the system we have right now is not ideal for this structure of the population that we have right now. And to be completely clear though, it used to be that this is a, or it still is working. It's not that it it's is. failing, it's working great. And actually I'm grateful that we have systems like this in place. And also this is something where uh, it was set up in a different time. But that's why now is the, the time to look at alternatives and look at options such as universal basic income. Right? That's what I wanted to ask you. And the other thing is, what do you think, how is this different from the welfare system we already have? Well, so the welfare system we already have right now, since I've never been on welfare, luckily enough, or however you want to call it, it's, uh, it's the, the thing is, though, so even if you're not on welfare, you still get child money, right? So when you're, so when so. you yeah, no, you definitely do. So you, when you're, you get a couple hundred euros every month for your child's up to whatever age, I don't really remember. It's still, I think even when they're in university, you still get it and then. I think either 18 or they continue studies and are in the university. Yeah, and I think it's only their first studies. I don't think they'll get money beyond like their, let's say, bachelor's degree because a master's degree is then kind of like on top. You don't really have to get... Anyway, so you get that. Um, and honestly, the universal basic income would replace everything, right? Because once you're born, you will immediately start receiving whatever amount of money it is. And when you're still under 18, your parents would have the legal, you know, not ownership, but whatever it's called, like legal, what is it called, you know, like the, like the formund, the, the right to speak on behalf of their children. Who's your guardian, basically. Yeah, basically a guardianship. Uh, so your parents would receive that money. Great. So you don't need, you know, that kind of welfare anymore. And honestly, I think most of the welfare systems wouldn't need to be in place. Now, to be free, to be completely clear, 
I don't advocate for stripping money away from, let's say, kindergartens, from social workers who are helping people who are out in the streets, from, you know, people who are, or people who are helping people with drugs in the streets. Like, all of that is still really important, and those are some social benefits paid out by the country to, or the government to individuals and who, to organizations who are trying to do positive in the society. And I think that shouldn't change at all. I think actually it should, you know, be paid out more. Yeah. But everything else, everything from Arbeitslosengeld, like from unemployment benefits to retirement funds, uh, should go away. I think the only thing that should stay in place is your universal health care. Yeah. I, I think that shouldn't be tied to it because you could make the case and say, well, if everybody's getting money every month, you just do private health care. But I don't think that's a good idea. No, that's not. What if you have cancer and the treatment costs like 300,000 euros suddenly and you don't have that money and from countries where there are a lot of people with private insurances we know that they tend to not cover everything you know so obviously I'm also definitely a proponent for that you know it, it should never be stripped away. Another problem that I see with the welfare system is that it does not really encourage you to get a job. Yes. You see so if I mean, obviously, luckily, not from my own experience, but when I when I came to Germany, I was still learning the language, and I started working on the weekends on on uh, in Burger King in one of those fast food restaurants. I didn't know that. Yeah, but there oh, was my first job in Germany. Yeah, okay, okay, fair enough. Okay. It, it you gotta was, have something. It, yeah, of course, and it helped me learn the language as well, which was a great thing. True, you know? customer service, customer and you're still service. in the customer service industry, basically. Like you still have to deal with customers. So yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly, it's just different type of customers now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not people who want your burger from you, but still, yeah, but still. still, yeah, um, yeah. But so I met someone. I met a lot of people over there. Obviously, they were, yeah. You know, and they they were people working there who came from let's say Afghanistan who were refugees who had to leave uh, leave their countries and they couldn't find anything else they were working there they were working full-time like 160 hours per month and then they were getting at the end so little money after paying the taxes etc they would get like 800 900 euros in the which is actually still pretty good which is still pretty good and then I met someone over there who was like basically from Germany and he told me that in his family, no one has ever worked. And he said, now I am working over here. He showed motivation. I was so impressed with this guy because, you know, he came from a family where no one, like he said his granddad didn't work, his father didn't work, his mom doesn't work, no one works. And his siblings don't work. But yeah. Because he, he, said me, he said to me that his family members are now laughing at him that he's going to work for this for, for the 800 euros which they are getting from the government anyways right yeah. but he wanted to do something on his own the thing is these people i'm sure these people are not really bad human beings who do not want to work but there's no sort of motivation for them if they are saying okay i'm working whole month and i'm still getting less money than what i would make while working at burger king why should i go and go and work at burger king yeah, that is such a, honestly, that's a big issue I see as well. Because here's the deal. You should never have less money available when you're working a full-time job than you get from the government. And that's the 
And that's, I think, why, you know, back in the days when I guess the story is from a couple of years ago. So minimum wage was lower then. The minimum wage has been, you know, adapted since. But I think that's so important that the minimum wage is always higher or at least equal to. No, it, no, sorry. No, it has to be higher than what you're making from, the, you know, your unemployment money or your unemployment money needs to be lower to the point where it makes more sense to get a job or. And this is actually what I advocated for. Um, you know, there's a lot of public parks in Germany. There's a lot of, you know, rivers and, and bridges and stuff like that. And there's a lot of trash. So honestly, my, like, I've been advocating for this for whenever I talk to people about this. I'm like, you know, why should people just get free money from the government? I'm, I'm don't get me wrong. I'm for it. It saves us a lot of homeless people. Like, it, there's not a lot of, there is homelessness, but, you know, not maybe as much as there would be without this. And I think it's fair, like, and some people just aren't able to work. So for example, disabled people uh, or people with disabilities, completely fine, I agree. But honestly, for all of these people who are just, what you just said, it's probably a minority, otherwise the system wouldn't work. But it's still, there are still people like this who's like, government pays me. I think they should be required just like one or two days a week for like two or three hours to go out and pick up trash in public parks. I agree, I think they sometimes do that as well you know the government tries to encourage these people sometimes even yeah, but it's not mandatory them. to get your money yeah I, I agree because i mean otherwise it'll be human rights violation right if someone is saying okay i'm not going to work you still need to provide for that person because otherwise how is this person going to eat you know this and this country yeah but, but, but honestly that's I think there should be a harder line and I'm all for, you know, equal rights, like giving people their means to live. But honestly, it stops for me when people are right out not participating as valuable members of the society. Honestly, you can be out of luck, right? You can have a, I don't want to say bad, but you know, bad family background. You can have a bad education. Maybe you were pretty stupid as a teenager, not stupid in terms of you don't know anything, just stupid of making stupid decisions. That's what kids and what teenagers do. I don't think anybody should be held against this and people would, should still be able to live even when they make some stupid decision in their past, even when they're like, you know, when they committed some minor crimes. I'm not talking about murder or anything like this or rape. Honestly, those people should be locked away for a long, long time. But um, I think people who are maybe shoplifted once or twice, like they should still get a chance or smoke some weed or something like that. Sure, they should, you know, get their punishment, but they should still have a chance to be in society. But I still think, like, they should just have something they should be doing if they're physically able to, and then only get their money. Yeah. Again, I mean, I've never been in that, in that situation, yeah. really, but I, I, I think government tries to send you to different courses. They also sometimes force you to take jobs if you uh if you don't have it even if you don't like the job you know that's i don't think that the, the thing so i had a friend who came off his job he it was voluntarily so he wanted to do something different and he was on unemployment for some time okay. and he was you know basically sent to a counselor the counselor would then figure out what he likes and so and he worked together with that counselor and he got a job in the end so it, it worked out well but he he told me and a lot of other people told me as well if you don't want that job, there's a million excuses you can find. Like, oh, I don't know this. Oh, I'm bad at this. Oh, this. And they can't really say that much against it. Okay. The question is, if these people who are getting welfare now started getting universal basic income, what are they going to do? What do you think? Are they going to look for something they are really, they, they really want to do, they have passion for? 
or is it still going to be the same where they are going to say, okay, I'm fine with whatever I'm getting right now? <laughs> it's so funny because everything I said right now, like everything where I said, oh, the people should work to get their money, stuff like this, I'm going to make a complete 180 degree turn now and say, with universal basic income, I'm fine with people not working. Okay. I don't give a damn. Like, people can work. Like, people can work, people cannot work. It's their idea. And this is what the idea of universal basic income is, right? It should cover a basic need. The important thing is universal basic income shouldn't be, let's say, making you a millionaire. Because that is like then the incentive to work is going down, the incentive to innovate in a society is going down, stuff like that. If everyone is a millionaire, no one is a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to drive inflation. But like universal basic income should obviously rise with inflation. It should rise with the, you know, costs of goods sold. It should rise with all of that. But it should never be, you know, the highest thing in the world. Like it 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 should be a good, it should be good money to live on. And I think 1,200 euros is a pretty good amount right now to live on. Yeah. yeah, Especially if you have a family of three or four. You know, that's a lot of money. You can live off that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, so, so, yes. And, go ahead. I get, please go ahead. All right. So, so I was going to say, but yeah, once universal basic income is a thing, I think people who want to work definitely can work. And it shouldn't impact their work. So let's say we're working right now, right? Universal basic income should just be something that is paid on top. It shouldn't at all affect your job you're taking because the idea is that people who want to work then can make additional money to to make themselves a better life. And because jobs are going to be something that is probably only really high-skilled or pretty low-skilled. Again, I said this, right, because you have this middle ground of jobs being automated and you have a couple of people building the robots or robots building robots but you still need some good program and stuff like that and people coming up with innovative ideas and then you maybe have still some low-level jobs being done by humans all of these jobs should just pay out if you make let's say three thousand euros from that a month it should pay on top of whatever you get in as basic that should be your baseline there are so many points now i just uh, i want to talk to you about go ahead, but the go first ahead. One, so we were talking you were, you were talking about how if you're three or four people in a family the 1200 euro per person is going to be really good money, right? So you can really live comfortably off that. Do you think it's going to encourage people to have more babies? Yes. Actually, I think already now you, I don't have the exact numbers. This is a complete hypothesis. So don't take me by the word for this, yeah. but I would make the case that a lot of lower income families have more children than higher income families. Yeah. And this is sometimes because both of the parents are working and they're like, oh, we don't have that much time. And I don't want to sound mean here, but I think it's also something to do with the government is giving you childcare money for children. So lower income families might be incentivized to just have more children. Yeah. I think there was this politician saying that we'd start, we need to start giving people who are like highly educated more incentive to have babies. And there was like huge backlash. Anyways, so I think when I think about societies like India, where people have a lot of children, like if you are married and you don't have two kids, you are not a normal married couple anyways. <laughs> Sadly, unfortunately, that's the truth. That's what oh. happens over there. Society, right? It's a different culture. Yeah. And the thing is, as we talked about, I think, in one of the earlier episodes, children are also supposed, especially uh, boys, are supposed to take care of their parents, their family when they grow up as well. You know, I think over there, if... People started getting universal basic income in those countries, especially if the people who live under the poverty line right now 
they might stop having that many kids because then the financial sort of uh, incentive incentive is not there anymore. But wouldn't this be also a good thing? Let's let's look at the world in general. The world is getting overpopulated. Let's let's not make any mistakes here. And the issue is the gap between the riches and the poor is just spreading and spreading and spreading. It's not that our world couldn't sustain as many people, but the way we're living... Like, even we are part of the problem, right? We are probably living energy, water, food-wise above our, like, carbon world's budget, whatever, like, resource budget. Sorry, this is something very interesting before I forget this. They say that a European person uses three times more energy than someone living in the developing countries in Asia, and an American person uses around seven to eight times more energy than the people so, so you're living for, you know, you're living for more than one person yeah. and, and people in, you know, a lot of the poorer countries and in, in continent of Africa, they're living for less than one person. And that's why life isn't sometimes. So that's a whole different issue. We might talk about in a different episode. But in general, maybe it's not bad that India, who has a really high birth rate, right, would be incentivized to slow down a little bit. Whereas countries like Germany, who are seeing less and less children, I think a couple more in the last years, but still, they would be incentivized. So I think it would even be like a nice evening out of world country birth rates. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's uh, it might work out for everyone. <laughs> so I think, as we both said, it's a great concept. What do you think, where would the money come from? Because obviously, you know, if we start printing on the money, there will be inflation, then no one will have any money if there's inflation, high inflation, right? Yeah. So All right. how do we do that? Best point. Okay, so there's, I have, uh, I watched a video once a couple of years ago already, which sold me completely on the idea. And then there's also a couple of things that I added on over the years. So my idea would be, first of all, you're streamlining your entire retirement benefits, childcare benefits, unemployment benefits, all of that programs are basically going away for the sake of universal basic income. So you can actually take all of these funds to partially, because obviously they're not going to the entire society, childcare money, yes, but not the rest of it. Um, So you you can take these funds, first of all, they will make up a certain percentage. I don't know, I haven't crunched the numbers, but let's say maybe 10, 20, 30% of your overall money that you need to distribute. So that's good. Then you have some efficiencies being gained by all the systems that are currently in place to work yeah, right? To, to like fill out the forms, to process this. And a lot of it is still done by humans. Like a lot of this is still like, it also makes taxes easier, by the way, because you have like, everybody gets the same basic stuff and then, right? So, so all of that is one big part where I say it's efficiency gained and where you can reduce some, some jobs may go away or these jobs could be repurposed for higher purposes. Let's say someone is currently working on the retirement benefits, which will then fall away. This, this person could maybe start working in the, um, in the sector for, let's say, what is there, like healthcare, for example, or stuff like that, where you still need similar jobs, but which are currently not impacted as much. So that's the first part. Hmm. The second part, and I think the biggest and most important part is something that that person, a YouTube video that I once watched, I don't remember it, but sure, is an automation tax. Mm-hmm. So starting right now, basically, every company would, you would calculate the amount of automation, which is sometimes even possible by the current filings they have to do 
for you know their their yearly income and stuff like that. So you would look at that and you would find out the degree of automation, right? Let's say a company like uh, VW, for example, Volkswagen, right? They're producing cars. They have a certain amount of automation already in there. They have robots doing this, and maybe let's say it's a once you figure that out, it should be like a number between zero and one. One is 100% automated, zero is only like super non-automated. Every company right now, I would make the point for, unless you're like knitting socks or something. 30, 40% or something, right? Well, yeah, but maybe less, maybe more. It doesn't really matter. But every company has already a certain degree. Yeah. And based on that degree, you basically do a tax rate. So yeah. if you're at 30%, this tax rate is X percent of your uh, returns or of your you know income from that company as a, so generated. And then this is going into a big fund and this is being redistributed. And this will determine how much money everyone gets. This is the beauty of it. So let's say in a country of Germany, you know, currently the automation is probably not as high as a lot of people might think because it's still a lot of human labor in there. Of course, I mean, there are uh, organizations that are there to protect your job from going away so these kind of things you have to think about the companies have to think about right it's not that easy like let's say in the u.s you know yeah but even in the u.s there's a couple worker unions and stuff like that but still that's exactly one of the issues though i think germany and other countries who are who are protecting human jobs as much will fall behind at some point because other countries will advance into automation will make goods so cheap that you can't compete with them and will actually innovate on the goods themselves because they are being, you know, they're constantly innovating on them because they can now produce them cheaper, they can produce more, they can innovate more. So I think it's actually a really important stuff that you think about this now and implement something like this. But coming back to the point of who pays for it, the beauty of, let's say, it's not my idea, but what I just laid out is, you can start with this right now. It wouldn't put any additional burden on any individual. Yes, it would put a burden on the companies, but you got to start at some point and you can start with a progressive rate, which is currently, let's say you're, you're already 40% automated, but you have like a progressive rate, which says you're only like 20% of that will count. So if someone is 10% automated, they only have to, you know, pay 2% of the automation tax and stuff like that. You know what? I think this is a great concept because of another reason, because if you're paying for automation, if you're paying taxes, before firing a person, you will think about it if it's going to be beneficial for you or not. Exactly. And once you, let's say you buy a new, let's say you, you, you're, again, producing cars, right? Yeah. And you had a huge conveyor belt where people are putting in the seats. Yeah. Simple task, right? I think it's already automated, but for the sake of it, let's say it's not. Let's say you're thinking about um, buying a 2 million conveyor belt new system, which will put in these seats automatically. Now you can probably fire maybe half the workers or something because not as many people are required. So you will save some money and you still have to pay the two million, but also your automation tax will go up by just a little bit because it's not that much of your entire you know, production, but still a little bit. Now you can actually think about what it would mean. And this is actually in, I think it's in the sense where it's actually thinking about people yeah, exactly. I agree. Yeah. So this could be something where people can then either retain jobs or actively decide to not retain them and then put this in this pot. And let's say this pot is at whatever, uh, it's 87 million people in Germany. Let's say it's at 87 million euros or 870 million euros. Well, the nice thing is right now you can just say, okay, so everybody gets 10 euros a month. I know it sounds stupid, but 
once people get used to this concept being in place, they will more and more, because this tax would obviously every year, the companies would be reevaluated. You would look at how much automation is being done. Oh, it's this much automation. Okay, you're paying higher tax right now. More money in the pot. And the pot is just divided by the entire population. So it would rise right now. And you can start with this. And even though some people might say, well, Alex, 10 euros a month. Sure, but that's, that's not bad. Well, we just had some increases in retirement and I think unemployment benefits or something. And, so, yeah. and some, some of them were below 10 euros. So, <laughs> and, and everybody on the politics, and, and like a lot of politicians say, oh yeah, we raised it by 7 euros. This is a lot of money. Well, then 10 euros, you know, starting with that. And I would argue that in Germany, we would, with an automation tax like this, already be way above 807, uh, 870 million. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I think this is, so, this is what gets me so excited because it's not something that's abstract. It's not something where people would pay that much more. Yeah. It's not increasing the taxes on food or anything else. It's something we can do right now. And this money goes straight back to the consumers with the idea that that money is being spent on products from the companies again. So the companies, even though they pay a tax for automation, would hopefully make back that money because they can now produce goods cheaper and then it feeds back. That's, that's a great idea. Um, do you think we should be, or uh, I said we, the government should be? <laughs> we, we're the government. We're we the people. The, yeah. the, the yeah. next chancellor of Germany sitting over here, I would say Alex, right? right <laughs> so, like would you like to be a politician? Uh, I like politics. I think it's an integral part of our lives, of our societies, and someone has to do these jobs. Yeah, but would you personally like to do it? I think I would like to do that, but the thing is, I am an immigrant now in this country. I don't see, although I know the language, but I still see, you know, there might be problems with my acceptance in the society. I think if I ran for something, because... I mean, I agree, but I disagree because this shouldn't be the case, because you're just a part of this. You're paying taxes, and I'm paying yeah. Like, you, you have good ideas. Yeah, I, I do have some good ideas. I like... I mean, I think someone has to do the dirty jobs as well. Someone has to go into the politics. <laughs> the dirty politics. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, the thing is, no one likes politicians. Most of the times. Right? Sure, yeah. And basically, once you start doing the right thing, there are going to be people for whom this thing is a wrong thing, and they're going to hate you for it. You're never going to satisfy everyone. You're no never going to make everyone happy. Uh -huh. But what was ah the point I was trying to make? Sorry, <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah. No, this is interesting. Maybe we should talk about it. <laughs> but the so what I wanted to ask is it is it a good option to tax the wealthy people higher than they are being taxed right now? No. Okay. Why? Why do you say so? So first of all, let me get this straight. I think people should pay taxes. Mm -hmm. Germany has a pretty high tax rate. And wealthy people are usually also running, you know, companies, stuff like that, or at least have some sort of business they're making their money from. Um, and I think they should pay the taxes they have to pay because even like in the soccer, who was that, Uli Hoeneß or someone? Yeah. Like, he's, he made a lot of money, but he put it all away in like the Caymans or something or like Liechtenstein or somewhere else. And then obviously that's not the idea of it. Like if you're supposed to pay taxes... And rich people, as, as much as poor people, with a obviously higher tax rate than rich people, have to pay taxes. I'm like, don't cheat the system. 
pay your taxes, but I would argue that you should have higher tax rates because at some point, and our tax rate is already pretty high, those people will leave the country and then go somewhere else. And the important part is not that an individual leaves the country. Who cares, right? That's not the big part. But a lot of people who are maybe thinking about bringing their business here, bringing their companies here, founding companies here, might be really discouraged. And that is the bad part. And also, let's say someone like, I think Fantian even made that argument. Fantian is a German. Uh, he's actually kind of a self-made millionaire. He, he, yeah, he did a, a lot of cool companies. But he's investing his funds, his money, back into new companies. And yeah, granted, not everybody does that. But we need to have rich people to fund new ideas. And actually, I think we are at a disadvantage compared to Silicon Valley, to the US, where more people are doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Where, it's, where it's like, yeah, sure, you, if, you're, if you have a couple of million laying around, you will sometimes just invest in startups to see if it venture capitalism. If we raise our tax rates here, people will be discouraged. Some people might say, well, you know, then I just go to whatever, Norway or somewhere else where it's still nice to live, you know, have a good quality of life. And, but you just, you know, and then I think we shouldn't discourage people to come here. And I think our current system is one that is highly taxed compared to some other countries. But I say it's fairly taxed. And I don't think that we should tax the riches any higher, but not, also not lower. Very well put. This is, by the way, exactly what I think as well. But I do make one exception. I think if the rich are trying to take the money out of your country, then there should be some kind of mechanism over there where you should tax them a bit higher. What do you mean by taking it out? So, like, trying not to pay as much taxes as they would pay in Germany. But, you know, a lot of companies did that in Ireland. They had their... They made their European headquarters in Dublin so that and Dublin and Irish government made some deals with them. I think Apple was one of them where they were just paying like 0.5% of the taxes, which is basically for a company like Apple, that's like, I mean, that's nothing. But it still amounts to a lot. And then Ireland is, oh yeah, great. We get millions and millions. Yeah, but they were, I mean, they were generating the revenue in other European countries and not, were not paying any taxes over there. Should they be find in some way that you know that's the exception i make there but that's more on companies than it is on individuals but i think it would yeah. same apply to so yes and that's what i meant by if you're supposed to pay taxes you you should pay them right i know there's a couple of loopholes which need to be fixed honestly but i am a proponent of where the money is generated you need to pay the taxes Right? Yeah. So let's say you're generating your money here. Let's say you're, you're Apple and you're selling a, an iPhone in Germany. Well, that tax on the iPhone should go to Germany because you're, you're buying and selling it here. And you as a user, right? As you, Harbier, picking up that iPhone or whatever phone it is. Uh, I'm a big OnePlus fan here. <laughs> so let's say you're buying that phone here. The company selling you that phone, whether it's Apple or Saturn or MediaMarkt or whoever, they should then, because it's your tax money going to them, should forward that tax money. That's how taxes work in Germany. You can basically write them off, stuff like that. It should go to Germany, right? Yeah. And I think that's, that's what I meant by the taxes that you're supposed to pay should be paid. Okay. I'll pay a little bit of devil's advocate now and just regarding one point uh, with universal basic income. So universal basic income means there's universality, so everyone is going to get the same sum. 
And there are people who don't really need that much money because they're already very rich. And this money is going to, I, I suppose this money is going to sit in their bank account somewhere. Do you think it's fair that they are getting the money, but they are not using the money? This money is not being circulated in the economy and it's not generating more money. Hmm. I see what you mean. Well, I mean, the, the, the idea about universal basic income is everybody gets it. So I think people should be allowed to do whatever they want with that money. However, there is what you just said, you know, there is a point to be made from not reinvesting that money. So there's a couple of other mechanisms that you can apply or that you can use, basically, employ, I meant to say, employ to make sure that this money is being used. For example, you have a, I know this is pretty controversial, but you have like a negative tax on your, or like a negative interest rates or positive, whatever you want to call it, like on money in your bank. Let's say you have uh, 10,000 euros in your bank. Instead of getting like 0.01% or something, you're currently getting like a couple of cents or euros every year because you have money in the bank. You can disencourage, uh, disincentive people to, to do that by saying, okay, for every 10,000 euros, you have to pay like 1% a year because you have it in your bank, which will then, you know, encourage people to invest it into stocks, into goods, into something other, because it will just get less and less in their bank. So I think that's one mechanism. And to make this fair, I think there is a point to be made from, let's say you have literally a million euros, just a million cash sitting in your bank account. I think that's a point where you should be incentivized to actually spend it and to maybe employ these things. But then again, spending it could mean investing in stocks, could mean buying stuff, could mean something else. So there are a couple of mechanisms, but honestly, I think it's fair. What do you think? Is, is this, do you think people who are rich, sorry, one last point, because once you start having these distinguishments again, then you're like, well, you have to employ people again who look at who's making that much money. Then you, some people are saying, no, but this money came from that person and this money came from... It makes this thing complicated again, which I love it so simple. It's just everybody gets the same amount. I, I think so too. I think we need to keep this whole thing simple and everyone should be getting the same sum, but there should be mechanisms in place that make sure that the money is being circulated then. Uh, there's also a question about now talking about the other side of the coin. People say, okay, if we start giving money to poor people, they are just going to buy alcohol or drugs or whatever, you know, some portion of the society will do that. But there was actually, I saw a video, I can't remember when, but they, they, uh, they did this study in 2013, I think in the US, they saw like what they saw was the people who did not have a lot of money when they got this money they were actually using it for you know like someone was fixing their car someone was you know paying for their children's tuition or those kind of things so this money was not being wasted you know it wasn't being spent on alcohol or tobacco tobacco or whatever yeah i'm gonna make a controversial point now but a lot of the conservatives or even like republicans in the u.s a lot of times make these points like oh yeah if you give the poor the money they will just spend it on booze and stuff like that people are not every not everybody is stupid not everybody is shitty not everybody is like a no. person who's belief in the good of humanity everybody no matter which religion they belong to no matter which color of skin they have not everybody's always trying to be bad and not <coughs> and I think or I the numbers show this as well it's a minority of people who would be spending it on something that is not helping the society in general however let's say somebody is doing that 
it's their money, right? They can do with them whatever they want. And there's this, tax on alcohol as well. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is tax on alcohol, so they're they're paying taxes. One thing which I haven't thought about though is I think everybody who gets this universal basic income should, you know, should be forced to have like an apartment or live somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say because you could be. I don't want to, so this would also mean that, you know, people homeless on the street would get that money and stuff like that. So I think it should, it should be made sure that this money is being spent on the, what it is for, the basic necessities. So it should always be, especially with those people who are not making as much money like next to it or maybe none, it should be made sure that this money is partially used to pay their rent and then they can do with it whatever they want. But it shouldn't be that those people are spending your universal basic income on alcohol or whatever, or on new TVs or whatever, and then they have nothing left and say, well, I can't pay my rent. So this is because like it, like it is right now with Arbeitslosengeld, right? With, with uh, unemployment benefits, the government gives you some money and then they also pay your flat, right? Because you need some money to live, but then you also need to live somewhere. And I think when, once it switches over to universal basic income, it's, probably more than the two combined, than the rent and the individual combined, but maybe some people would think like, oh, I can do this and then I can just live for free and maybe I will get kicked out at some point, but I still have money. So I think it should be made sure that everybody who gets this money, especially those people who would, who were formerly on unemployment benefits or welfare, that money is automatically used to pay their rent and then the rest of it is just given to them. But it should never be that you spending all that money on something. But then we are involving the government again in this whole process and authorities and we are creating some red tips and bureaucracy as well, you know. But there's no ideal situation, let's say. But there will still be less bureaucracy than right now, right? So even if there's authorities involved. Yeah, what do you think? Like, should... But... but, Well, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Like, not a lot of people will get... Will be that. Who wants to live on... Yeah, to be honest, you know, I think these are just people. I sometimes do think that in Germany, no one has to live on the streets, right? So if you are, if you have problems financially, you know, there's always there are organizations, there are charities you could go to will help you. But the thing is, sometimes some people are in their lives in those situations where in simple tasks like filling in a form is too difficult for them you know yeah but these people that's a different story then they yeah. need different kind of help then they need maybe psychological help as well not not just the financial help, i agree right? and and the other part is once universal basic income is a thing every landlord everybody who's renting out a flat knows that everybody gets money yeah so it's not like they can say well i'm not getting money they can all say like well our rent is what 800 euros you're getting more than that so we know you can pay yeah. which in return, also important part though is you can't make your rent more like too much higher than right because let's say the universal the universal basic income is taking place and all of a sudden landlords who have maybe charged six hundred euros before are like well now we can charge eight hundred and they will still have some money to live. I think everybody should be allowed to raise rents in general. This is how you know it's getting more expensive. Money inflation is taking place, stuff like that. So that's fair. But I don't think just because now people are getting more money. It should automatically mean that every, you know, everything gets more expensive. Yeah. Really good points. Uh, universal basic income. 
might not be the silver bullet, but might be very close to it, Alex. And please let us know. Please comment below the video on YouTube or wherever you're watching this, wherever you're listening to this. Let us know. Send us emails as well. So, Alex, thank you very much. It was great talking to you. Thank you, Abir. That was a great topic. I'm sorry, I felt like I talked a lot. You asked a lot of questions and I felt like I'm obligated to answer, but... <laughs> no, but these... Uh, I think I wanted to know what your perspective is on this whole thing because I already knew what my perspective is. And I think... <laughs> I think we we share uh, similar thoughts on this whole thing, and I think I'm I'm a huge proponent for this uh, for universal basic income. You are as well. Would you, if there would be a vote, like a full exception, like a like popular vote, would you vote in favor of this? Hundred percent. Yes. Hundred percent. Uh, yeah. I mean, let's hope that maybe one of the next elections we have our election next year right so germany so, yeah. so maybe hopefully in one of the party programs we'll see something like this and then maybe our voting will change a little bit because there's a couple of things right that are important right now it's climate change it's equality for everyone and it's stuff like how is our future going to look like balancing innovation and automation with human needs and jobs and job creation and Honestly, if we have someone who's like, yep, we need more renewable energies, electric cars, we need to be sustainable in the future. Hey, we also want to have that everybody is the same. I don't care if you're, you know, what your sexual orientation is, what your color of skin is. I don't care where you come from. Like as long as you don't harm anybody and as long as whatever you believe in, let's say, for example, for religion, you don't force anybody else to believe the same thing or annoy other people with it. Like... All right, you're a member of society, do whatever you want, right? That's cool. And then if you have the universal basic income as like the third pillar of that, that would be my ideal candidate. Nice. Let's hope someone like that uh, is a candidate next time. Otherwise, we will have to wait for you, Alex, to candidate. Or maybe me, myself as well. Maybe, actually, maybe you, because I wouldn't like it as much. Yeah. Politics is too much. Okay. Too much talk. Too much opposition. Okay. Cool. Uh, again, uh, great talking to you and see you all next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. German Masala is a podcast hosted by Harbier and myself. It is under the Alex Universe brand, which is currently this podcast by Harbier and myself and also a YouTube channel called Alex Universe, which is focused mainly around electric cars and transport hosted by me. You can find us on all major podcasting platforms, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, which is if you own a Tesla, in your Teslas, and also on YouTube where we are, we have started putting some YouTube videos, actually us talking videos out. So if you want to check that out, please do. The link would be in the show notes if you're not watching this on YouTube. And we're looking forward to your subscriptions on any services, which is something that's completely free. It just means that you will get notified or the episodes will download to you automatically and you don't have to remember doing that every two weeks.